Kia ora and welcome to 5 Minutes with the FMA, a podcast by the Financial Markets Authority, Te Manatatai Hoko Hoko, about financial regulation in New Zealand. Our Director of Capital Markets, Paul Gregory, is here to talk about the recently published review of the wholesale property investment sector. This led to the FMA issuing formal warnings to several entities. Now for those unfamiliar with wholesale investments, these are offers which have fewer obligations around disclosure and financial reporting. They have little oversight from the FMA and are generally intended for experienced, expert and well-resourced investors. They are generally not suitable for everyday non-expert investors. This episode is going to be a bit longer than usual and that's because there's quite a bit to unpack and discuss. So Paul, why did the FMA do this review and what was the major finding? So the wholesale property investor sector has been growing and it's used the wholesale investor exclusion to drive quite a lot of that growth. But over the last couple of years we've received uh, a growing number of complaints uh, and concerns actually uh, about um, about uh, some of the practices in the sector. So we thought it was time to see how the wholesale exclusion was actually being used. So as, as part of that we looked uh, across the range of, of that usage. So how are they advertised? Uh, how people are sold the product? How, and then the most important bit, how they're ultimately accepted as wholesale investors. Our most significant findings were about the eligible investor certificates, which are sort of the gate between being attracted and making the investment. And these certificates are where an investor uh, certifies that they have enough experience and knowledge to assess and decide whether to make a a wholesale investment, a specific wholesale investment in this case, uh, in property. Uh, The certifications must be signed off by a financial advisor, a lawyer or an accountant, which is another part of them being a gate of some sort between um, being attracted and and actually making an investment commitment. And their job is to ensure the investor understands what the certification means and to check what's being signed off is correct and that there is anything to sign off. Uh, But we found some certificates were either not confirmed by these experts, which, which is required, or the certificates were confirmed with no grounds at all or completely irrelevant grounds, which were nevertheless then accepted by the offerers of the investments as, as being okay for that investment to proceed. Right, so can you give me some examples of what these irrelevant grounds were? We had some pretty concerning examples actually. So one was an investor was experienced enough because they had KiwiSaver, a term deposit or had just refurbished their home. Uh, based off this, uh, then nearly any New Zealander uh, could be signed off as a wholesale investor, which is not the intention of the exclusion. It is supposed to be a gate. In our view, the law requires the grounds in the certificate to actually support the investor's assurance they understand what they're getting into. We also found several other issues, uh, such as advertising overemphasizing returns, downplaying risk, uh, and firms promoting their offers in a, in a really broad range of channels, such as Facebook and billboards, you know, billboards on the side of the road, uh, rather than focusing directly on expert investors. So turning to these formal warnings, can you tell me what they were for and has the FMA ever issued so many simultaneously? Answer to that for public warnings is no, never. We've never issued that many and it's seven. Uh, seven public warnings um, from 23 firms reviewed uh, and the warnings were for firms accepting deficient eligible investor certificates which had the deficiencies we've just talked about, uh, meaning they've failed to give the required disclosure to investors. Now on the plus side, uh, 7 out of 23 means most of the firms uh, were in fact properly checking the certificates, but given the high profile and the prominent advertising of these offers, we need to ensure everyone has acceptable standards of compliance. 
We have a range of tools we can use to respond to misconduct, uh, and and we chose public warnings in this case because a couple of reasons. One, these are serious issues, and so they need to be publicly warned. We think that firms are using wholesale investor certificates uh, but failing to follow the requirements of those certificates is egregious misconduct, and so it needs to be made public. Uh, and second, many of the offers themselves have been very public. They've appeared on heavily used platforms like Facebook and Instagram, uh, so the warnings need to be public as well to reflect that. Uh, the concerning practices we identified make it easier for everyday people to access wholesale offers, which undermines the whole point of the exclusion of the gate that I've talked about. Uh, and this broad range of issues is why we've also issued a thematic report on what we've found, sort of an educative uh, piece of work, which also makes our expectations clearer and, and the improvements we expect. And that's the first time we've done that too, uh, issued a report right alongside public warnings. How long have these industry practices been going on for? And is this the first time the wholesale investment sector has seen a bit of a shake-up? Wholesale investments have actually been around for a while, for quite a long time. But the idea of the eligible investor, that this, this gate in the process was introduced in the Financial Markets Conduct Act in 2013. But it's only in the last couple of years, though, that we've started to get these complaints and concerns, or at least more complaints and concerns. And we think that's because people were put off by low interest rates. So there's you know, some people for whom a 4 or 5% return on a return deposit was fine. Uh, but that wasn't possible anymore. Um, and they were searching for yield. Uh, and property prices were also skyrocketing. Um, so um, it, it, that combination of things, uh, I think, made more interest. At the same time, uh, property developers were finding it harder to get funding from the usual sources like banks. Uh, and banks and other lenders will also only lend so much, even if they are prepared to lend. And with the recent high demand for housing, uh, there was plenty of appetite from property investors to find uh, willing investors to fund projects. In terms of our action, um, those listening uh, may have seen us stepping up our activity even before the actions that we've published. Um, so we issued direction orders to Duval uh, and the One Management. Uh, two companies which are also focused on wholesale property investments after we had concerns uh, about their advertising. The FMA mainly exists to protect the interests of retail investors, so why is it getting involved in the wholesale investment sector, which is largely designed to be unregulated? Unregulated is not quite right. Uh, the wholesale sector has fewer protections, certainly, than the retail sector, but that doesn't mean firms can potentially mislead people no matter how experienced they are or what classification they fall into. From this review, have you seen any behaviour that's so concerning that you're considering action that's stronger than a warning? Uh, these warnings put the industry on notice, uh, and we think these are public warning is a strong action. Um, we, we only need to look at the, the correspondence that we've had with these firms to know that uh, the public aspect of it is concerning for them. Um, and we've very enforced what we expect, and we can and we will escalate it if we need it. Um, as always, if we discover egregious misconduct, we'll take the appropriate action. Uh, and just add to add to that we've opened a couple of inquiries uh, from what we've found for this report, uh, but they're at early stages and I, I can't discuss any further details of those. So some listeners might be wondering if it's appropriate for the FMA to put out recommendations in the form of guidance at the same time as issuing warnings, and that's because guidance is usually consulted on beforehand. So why is that not the case here? The report certainly outlines our interpretation of what the law requires. In fact, it more than outlines it, it goes into quite a bit of detail. Uh, but we took a conservative approach uh, for, for how we treated certificates as being deficient. 
And that was partly because we accepted some of the firm's feedback when we talked to them about this, uh, that there's room to, for debate about what qualifies as relevant grounds for making these sorts of investments. Uh, but where we think there's no room for debate is where there isn't a certificate, so it's simply missing, uh, where it wasn't confirmed by a, a lawyer or accountant or financial advisor, which is required, or in cases where no grounds were stated, we don't think that's up for debate, or they were entirely irrelevant. In those cases, it's clear the certificate is invalid, no debate required. To me, this seems reminiscent of bad industry practices that preceded and then led to the collapse of New Zealand's finance companies 15 years ago. Is history repeating itself here? There are some similarities, uh, but there are also a couple of important differences. Firstly, uh, the finance company offers uh, were open to retail investors. Uh, nowadays, retail investors have far more rights and protections after legislative changes following the collapses that, you've, that you're talking about. Uh, and the FMA exists at all, in fact, as one of those changes. Uh, and we've also got more powers uh, and regulatory tools than our predecessor, the Securities Commission. Uh, and that can help us to ensure firms look after the interests of investors and, and take action of the sort that we're talking about today uh, if they don't. Um, and greater protection for retail investors is pretty critical to the issues behind the warnings that we've been doing uh, because our main concern is that inexperienced investors are being drawn into wholesale offers when they shouldn't be. Uh, they might otherwise invest in retail offers like managed funds, uh, which have more protections, licensed providers, etc., now, wholesale investment offers are deliberately uh, less regulated, not unregulated, but less regulated, to allow for capital raising that's targeted at wholesale investors. The market works well when risk is allocated to the people who are best in place to manage it. And we don't want to see retail investors slipping through the protections without properly understanding the risks involved. And, and to people who are considering wholesale investments, um, I, I would say to them they need to be cautious Make sure you can properly assess the offer in front of you. And if you don't think you have enough information, ask for more or get some professional help. Um, so the necessary due diligence is really critical. And also make sure that this investment is not the only one that you're making. If you're coming out of your KiwiSaver or taking a big slice of your KiwiSaver, if you're over 65, for example, you wouldn't want to pile it all into one investment of any sort, really. Um, but, but certainly not a, a property investment with these sorts of risks. So what's the solution to the problems here? Some might be wondering if more regulation is needed or more changes are required, and particularly with regard to the eligible investor certificates. The wholesale investor exclusion has a real purpose and, and, and value um, in that purpose. So it allows offers to make offers to expert investors who really understand uh, the value and, and the risk proposition of what's being put in front of them. Uh, and it means they don't need the disclosure designed uh, to inform and protect non-expert investors. So when this is used as intended, it's valuable. Um, it can foster innovation, it can promote efficiency, it can allow ease of raising capital for firms uh, among an appropriate pool of investors. And this might be, there might be high risks, it might be expensive, it might be complicated, but it is nevertheless a good investment that's well managed. Um, and if it works, it's, it's fine. Uh, but any additional or new regulations, uh, that's policy, so that's a government decision. Uh, but at this stage, we're, we're not suggesting any changes. Uh, but we do expect this report and the warnings that come with it to have an impact on the sector uh, and improve its compliance, its practices. Uh, and of course, if we don't see the improvements expected, uh, we'll consider what the most appropriate next step is. Should investors listening who have a wholesale property investment be worried about the things that you've found here? What should they do? The report and the warnings are not a reflection of concern about the sector itself or, or about property investment in general. 
Um, our concern is that some investors may not understand the investment that they have made and the gate that is supposed to be there. The certificate hasn't functioned as well as it should have in some cases. Uh, but if investors are worried, I would encourage them to speak to a financial advisor to understand if, if these sorts of investments, wholesale investments in general, because uh, they're not just property investments, you can invest in all sorts of other things with wholesale, uh, is appropriate for them. Finally, what is the FMA's next move? What time frame are you working to? Well, as we've said, we've opened a couple of inquiries at an early stage, so, that, so that they're not complete, obviously. Um, but more broadly, the ball is firmly uh, in the industry's court. Uh, we've reinforced our expectations for what firms need to be doing to stay on the right side of the law. We are also considering the conduct of some financial advisors, uh, accountants and lawyers who are, after all, supposed to be the gatekeepers at the gate that we've talked about for eligible investor certificates. Uh, and this includes making referrals to the appropriate professional bodies um, that, that lawyers, etc., are members of. Thanks, Paul. It sounds like there's much more to come. That's Paul Gregory, the FMA's Director of Capital Markets, and this has been another FMA podcast. There's more on the report and warnings on our website. Check out our news section. Thanks for listening. Here, Connor Mike.